everybody, welcome to the 28th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And before we get started here, and I know I must probably sound like a broken record, but I just want to remind everybody, please subscribe on iTunes, leave us some love, uh, send us any questions that you have to mathcoreindex at gmail.com, and we'll try to get back to you. And here at the end of the episode, we're also going to recap our favorite releases of 2018 and play a very special, lengthy discussion with James Spence of Rolla Tomasi. So you can look forward to that at the end of the, uh, the episode here. So the first band that we're going to talk about is Limbs. Limbs are a two-piece mathcore band from Manila, Philippines. And, you know, I think a few episodes back I was asking about chaotic Filipino bands, and here we are. Uh, Limbs released their first EP back in 2016, another in 2017, and a split in early 2018. And now they're back with more or less their first full-length effort. I mean, it's eight tracks, but... Fucking rips through, too. Yeah, it really does. Um, this release just kind of came out of left field at the beginning of December, so... Yeah, it was like la- last last minute there. Uh, but um, I, I got to tell you, I think Limbs is probably one of the, the, the bands I enjoyed the most out of this al- uh, out of this um, Episode? Uh, list. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's it's really good. I have to agree with you there. Uh, it it kind of, again, it came out of, just came out of left field. I didn't really have a chance to properly digest it until now. Uh, I slammed it pretty hard last night. I'm super, super into it. <laughs> um, the- yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> Christian, <laughs> sorry everybody. I, 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 uh, I love the fucking scathy vocals. Like really fucking into them. Uh, just some really good like post hardcorey, just like grind shit going on here. I don't even know, man. It's all over. Yeah, you know, I liked it because it just sort of took me back to the days when you know mathcore bands used that kind of like dancey snare kick pattern. Sir, you fucking got it. <laughs> It's, it's like really that little dancey. clap around, you know. Yeah, but um, I gotta say, uh, there's there would be no uh, front vocalist to dance with the crowds because it's only a two piece. So I guess we just got the the drummer and the guitarist there. And which I honestly like limbs. Like when you listen to it, like I was quite surprised. I was expecting a three piece at least, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm yeah. Well, that's the beauty of you know projects that are conceived in the studio is that the uh, the members can handle handle more duties on the recording. Mm-hmm. It's always the downside of like a one to two piece, though, right? Are they ever get well? Are they, and will they, or could they ever do it live? Mm. Well, hopefully they, they perform live and they uh, they have a, a live lineup. Um, you know, I, I suppose they could probably do it, just the two of them, but given how it's sort of chaotic, it's probably a little harder, chaotic, yeah. harder to do the vocals, I'd say. Um, but there are some like softer moments on this record, too, such as the lengthy last track. Uh, you know, As I mentioned before, I, I mean, well, actually, I didn't get around to mentioning this, but they have some good use of dynamics, uh, and I think that last, that last track, again, really punctuates... Um, the uh, the dynamics with that last like little burst of energy when the oh, album finishes. Oh yeah, man! And uh, this release really took me back, as I was saying. It kind of reminds me of a combination of like early Daughters and Heavy Heavy Lolo, um, maybe a bit like newer bands, like Space he- Cowboy kind of. And just with that dancey uh, drum you were you're speaking of, it's, it's definitely mm-hmm. where I was going with Heavy Heavy Lolo for sure. You know, essentially, if you're a fan of that MySpace shit, this will be your jam. Oh yeah, mm. everybody crack that Take beer a drink. for uh, mm. yeah yeah, uh, but um. I, I, I could not stop listening to the track Body Horror. It just it, it hit me so well. Um I this I, I definitely gonna buy this album and like like Christian was saying, it is only eight tracks, I guess, if we're describing it as an eight uh as a full as a full length. Mm-hmm. But um it's super digestible. It's substantial. Yeah, it's it's yeah, man, it's, it's a good cruising record, just uh, rip through it really fast. Alright, so um I think we should listen to Grief Tourist. That's also a good track. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go ahead and jam Grief Tourist then. It's track one from their new album, Exquisite Corpse. (laughs) 
<laughs> Great name. And that came out uh, December 4th of 2018. Here we go. So that was Grief Tourist by Limbs, and that's off their new EP, Exquisite Corpse. It came out December 4th, 2018. So next we're going to talk about femur. Limbs to femur. Mm-hmm. Definitely exploring all the body parts. Mm-hmm. So femur are a mathcore band from Ontario, Canada, featuring members of the Vilification, who we've covered previously. And this is one that I've been eagerly awaiting. Femur put out, uh, well, they started back in 2014, evidently, but... Yeah, they had like a little summer release or something like that, right? Yeah, they put out a demo sampler in January of last year. And uh, since then, I've been watching closely, waiting for any news about this release. And last month, they finally released their debut full-length, Red Marks, which is nine tracks of sludgy mathcore uh, with hypnotizing passages and off-kilter grooves and a great use of volume dynamics and just a sense of songwriting that makes... This is a really complete album experience. Wow, you that that's a very good review there, man. Uh, the the last track, uh, just how long it is and everything. Once mm-hmm. again, just really ending just with just furious ripping, but still some like slower parts. Um, yeah, man, uh, this the, this this release was the shit. I'm really glad that we're uh, covering this one. I uh, I really dug. Um, there's like this little every time I die part uh, in uh, the track uh, Knife Fight in the Basement um, that I really enjoyed. You're, you that's probably, yeah. that's a good single too. That's like the shortest track on the album, actually. It is one of the shortest tracks on the album. Um, and that's the thing, man, for how fucking fast these dudes are playing. I mean, the tracks are going from two and a half to like into six minutes. That last track, I believe, is like nine minutes long or something like that. It is. It's uh, It clears eight minutes. And they really do know how to craft a good song and develop ideas. Uh, as I mentioned, there are some really lengthy tracks in this album, considering the genre too, right? I mean, oh yeah, yeah. Many of them clear four and five minutes. Um, but that being said, there's some moments on this record that I, I would readily compare to like Deftones, who also know how to Whoa. craft a perfect song experience. 
and who frankly influenced uh, Gaza just a bit if you examine the guitar technique, which again makes total sense because this band primarily, I, I would peg that as their, their main influence. Gaza. That, that and Botch, yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, that eight-minute studio track that we were just talking about, too, rather, it, it reminds me of that in-studio written cut from Norma Jean, too, on their first album. Nice. We, we kind of just nailed you guys with a bunch of comparisons there, I know, but uh, this is all to be said that this is a fucking good album. With, it's very well-rounded, and, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's sadly, it came out in December, and I don't want to explicitly tell bands not to release stuff in December, because that would just be stupid, but... Uh, sadly, you really do run the risk of being overlooked and not giving the journalists <laughs> complimenting myself by calling myself a journalist there, but not not by giving you know you don't necessarily give people who are going to review the album enough time to digest it and like form an emotional bond with it, or even notice that it got released. Exactly, because yeah. a lot of these fools are putting out their lists in like fucking November, which makes absolutely no goddamn sense to me. Um, we, we like to wait until the end of the year to actually put out our list. So Oh, yeah, man. We Yeah, I mean, we kind of like s- s- scram at the end there and just like put it together, but it's we're waiting for everything, you know? Yeah, I, I want I want enough time to really to fully digest everything that I heard that year and be able to go over my Spotify, my Bandcamp, and my last FM and go back and figure out what I really, really liked and gave the most amount of attention to during the course of the year because... Mm-hmm. Those are the ones I'm gonna rank up there, um, but you know, either way, uh, we did work this into our um, into into our best of year in review. So you can read that complete list at mathcornix.com, and of course, at the end of the episode, we're gonna tell you our top tens. Um, so again, that being said, this is a really great record, deserves your attention, and you will love it if you're a fan of the dark and sinister atmosphere of Gaza or their forefathers and botch. It was hard, also hard for me to pick a track, too. Yeah, I was um, just going to say, what are you thinking, man? I think Sex and Millimeters really highlights all the strengths that we were just talking about. I like it. Um, the Great Unwashed, I believe, as well, was one that I really enjoyed. Um, but I, I, I wish I could tell you what track that was, because I just, again, I haven't listened to this more let's, than a uh, couple times. Yeah, let, 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 let's do what you, uh, the one you said. Great. Um, yeah. So we're going to listen to Sex and Millimeters, and that's track five from Red Marks. And uh, that album came out December 15th of 2018. Here we go.
All right, so that was Sex and Millimeters by Femur, and that's off their exceptional new album, Red Marks. That shit's came out. hot fire, man. God, I know, so good. Uh, <laughs> wish I would have had a little more time to, to, spend, to spend with that release because it, it is exceptional. Um, I cut Christian off like halfway through the song. I'm like, wait, is this? Is this? He's like, no, dude, the same one's like, whoa, what a fucking ride. It's just like, this, mm. the, and that was track one. So yeah, enjoy, guys. Well, that was track five, but that, that is just one track yeah, off the album. Well, yeah, yeah, it was one of the tracks. That's what I meant. <laughs> Thanks. That's Christian. what he meant, folks. <laughs> I'm certain of it. <laughs> um, and again, that that came out on December 15th, so they just squeezed that one in there at the last second. So the next band we're going to talk about is Irk. That's I R K. Irk are a mathcore or what some might call a noisecore band from Leeds, UK, and they released their first EP in 2014, another in 2016, and now they're back with their first full-length album, Recipes from the Bible. And usually I, I shy away from dual bass guitar bands like this, um, but this is just one of the bands really turning me around. Yo, it's dual bass? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, one of my comments is I love how much the bass is, like where the bass is in the mix, but that makes a lot of sense. And like it, it really was grabbing me in a different way, so that makes a lot more sense now with it being a dual bass thing. Um, also, Irk, amazing name. Can't believe nobody's taken that yet. It's fucking a really good, ugly, disgusting name for a band. It is. It is a really good name. And yep. it, it sort of describes the Absolutely. the mood, doesn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um so I believe so one cool thing about Irk, I'm not sure how many bands do this. Maybe you can shine a light on this Christian since you kind of, you know, press records and shit, but like um Irk their vinyl version of this new release, uh, they actually had it specially mastered to um, like ensure the listening quality mm-hmm. for just the vinyl. Um, I'm not sure how many bands do that. Like at their very level, few. Most right? of them, most, even most bands, especially DIY bands. Right? Exactly. Uh, there are very few bands that actually record their music with the intention of having it pressed to vinyl. Which, it, you know, the, the quality suffers. I think if you try to just convert a digital, um, ram it onto a seven inch. <laughs> yeah, or to uh, to a vinyl in general. I think it. it Typically, you'd want to record to to tape. Pretty tight, though. I mean, I just we're like, getting lost in semantics here, yeah. folks. But but I mean, Eric, uh, well done. Um, just uh, kudos on like the extra work there. Attention to detail. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and again, just back to that that bass thing, the bass lower signal heavy thing. Like, they're they're one of the bands really turning me around to that sound, along with Kin Mode and Burmese, and I think even Coil Guns might do it but maybe i'm just confused because they have two vocalists ken mode i know does for sure yeah either way the bass guitar whether or not we're we might even be wrong about that but the bass guitar is just featured very prominently in this release and it's working very well for irk every song is just like a savage and percussive assault of angular heaviness and it just does not relent um again i I hate to keep bringing up ken mode when speaking of irk but like Kinmo, they also make use of saxophone on their release. And, <laughs> and sweet I, sax. And I also, I just love this album for a lot of the same reasons that I loved, loved. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, Kinmo has like a, 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 like just that, that heavy punk element, and I feel like these guys also do. Um, it carries through the album. Yeah, it's totally a compliment. Yep. And another highlight for me was the guest vocals on Life Changing Porno. <laughs> Amazing mm. song title, by the way. Yep. Um, and I wish that was a constant for this release, too. Those, those guest vocals really hit me in the right spot. Um, just when combined with the other uh, primary vocalist. Uh, ultimately, though, this is a great listen for lowers, uh, excuse me, for, for lovers of the low... Christ. Ultimately, though, this is a great listen for lovers of the noisy low end, and it's not to be missed. Boom, bitches. Got yeah. that one. So we're going to listen to I Bleed Horses. 
these fucking song titles are so good on this record <laughs> they are they are um and that's uh that's track one from recipes from the bible which came out december 7th of 2018 here we go walking in a straight <laughs> So that was I Bleed Horses by Irk. And that's uh, track one from their new album, Recipes from the Bible, which came out December 7th of 2018. Another great album that just, you know, came out at the very end of the year. Um, yeah, a lot of December releases, homie. Yeah, really. Uh, they really snuck them in there. So next we're going to talk about Eddie Bunker. Eddie Bunker are a hardcore mathcore band from Italy. And uh, this is a new band. They haven't released much material uh, other than a debut EP back in November. Um, but much like their countrymen in Cronada and Diabet, both of which we covered before, mm-hmm. um, they bring the same kind of energetic, chaotic hardcore with driving punk riffs, mid-tempo grooves, and breakdowns in the vein of Every Time I Die, Norma Jean, and The Chariot. I don't really have a terribly large amount of notes on this release other than it's decent. Some solid fucking post-hardcore going on here, man. Um, I, just great, just that that energy, that punk energy going on. Uh, mm-hmm. that, specifically, um, I love the album artwork of these guys uh, for this release. Um, super into it. Yeah, it looks like, uh, what was it, Qbert? <laughs> ah, yes, like Qbert. <laughs> um, I was just, I kind of got like the car bomb kind of feel, just like that... Um, 
they love, be, they love it, geometry it could, for yeah, sure. It could definitely be in a dentist office, you know, that kind of ah. thing. Like, I really uh, I enjoy it a lot, though. But definitely Qbert for sure. Or just some kind of, uh, you know, es- Escherist. Like kind silly of, stairs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> silly stairs pretty much says it all. <laughs> uh, yeah, again, just I have like no notes on the last few bands that we're covering in this episode. Uh, but because, you know, I've been out of town for the past few weeks and sort of fell behind in my listening. And uh, when I got home earlier this week, I had to dive like straight into that best of 2018 list. So this is just yet another thing. I, I had very little time to digest, but... Uh, we definitely wanted to give it give it some coverage, seeing how it's just it, it's good. Um, so we're gonna listen to uh, El Giotto Perfetto, and that means the perfect game. And that's track one from Defidia, um, Defidia rather, and that came out on November twenty fourth of twenty eighteen. Here we go. So that was Il Gioco Perfetto uh, by Eddie Bunker, and that's off their new album, Defidia. And that came out on November 24th of 2018. 
I was really enjoying that too. It's good. So next we're going to talk about Benjamin Blue, another person's name for a band. Sorry, everyone. There was yet another one. Cut will forever, it'll forever go unnamed, but yeah, they were cut. <laughs> it right? No. It <laughs> Too many person names. We can't, we can't do that. All right. Anyway, so uh, Benjamin Blue are an emo math rock band from the UK. They released one EP back in 2016, and now they're back with a second EP of poppy emo with math rock undertones. Kind of indie, too, actually. Four piece. They all do vocals. How fucking tight is that? Oh, really? I did not know that. You damn right, sir. Well, I, I dig that. I, I dig the group group vocals, chant vocals, gang vocals, whatever you want to call that. Seems yeah. to it just that that sense of unity is always fun. I mean, I mean it already I mean, I feel like math rock majority of the time is a is a feel good kind of effect on me. Um and then when I hear just more than a, one person doing vocals just like it feels like it's a group uh, agreeing on that it's all good, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I would like to compare this band a lot to Good Game for the fact that the male to female uh vocals they just balance out so well, and they just complement each other so well. Um, this really, it really added um, an extra like level of feels to me. Um, hearing both male and female vocals on this. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I guess I can kind of see that. Obviously, Good Game is just in a different realm entirely Absolutely. in terms of like Absolutely. the musicianship. I'm just saying they both in both bands. I hear you're saying listen to them, they just it, it is just beautiful vocals. As usual, down. Levi is primarily concerned with the vocal stylings. Where are those damn lyrics? Fucking uh, I uh, once again, um, they, I, I wish, I wish they were in America. I wish I can go see these guys. Um, I would definitely be paying a lot of money to see them and traveling to see them. Yeah, they're good, and they're, you know they're really driving in a similar concept to Forests, Pool Kids, Blackbird and Route, Date stuff, all of which we've covered before, and just yep. generally that that twinkly like Midwest sound in the vein of American football. Twinkly. I like that. Yeah. That's a good way to put that, man. You know, my only complaint about this release is there's not enough. They've only given it's us... only fucking three songs. Yeah, only three yeah. tracks. Isn't a, uh, a lot to, like, form much of a, a fully formed opinion on, but I'm hoping that they give us a full length this year. Um, since we're both suckers for this kind of math rock, um, and there was only three tracks, do you have a favorite track? Ethiopia, track two, yeah. You know what, man? I wanted to say Ethiopia, but I kept going to uh, track three, Moscow. Um, so fucking beautiful. Um, but once again, even like land, even the uh, gold mine, the first track is fucking it. I don't know. Um, I gotta be honest again, with you. I, I don't even remember what the, the third track even sounds like at the moment. Cause I just <laughs> like many of the other things that we're talking about this month. I just had a, a very cursory listen. I'll sing it to you after this. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> all right. So we're going to listen to Ethiopia. If that's all right with you. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> uh, you know, whose podcast this is. <laughs> And that's track two from Two, which came out October 9th of 2018. Love you, Levi. <laughs> Here we go.
All right, so that was Ethiopia by Benjamin Blue, and that's off their new EP 2, which came out on October 9th of 2018. Kind of went back for this one, but I think we went back and forth on covering it originally, so. Yep. So next we're going to talk about Life is Precious. Life is Precious are a math core band from Los Angeles, and uh, they're a new band. They play chaotic and metallic hardcore that could be described as mathcore. I, I really honestly don't have much to say about this band other than, yeah, it's just fucking is really good. I would definitely call them mathcore for sure. This is real mathcore. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> um... What do you, uh, 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 and once again, like, this that's the best, that sample. It's fucking just makes me crack up every time. Yep. Uh, I, I, I like this band for the fact that they are from LA. So that gives me promise that I'm going to see Thank them. Thank God. Another band like this is popping up in California. Yep. You know, exactly. I, I really gotta, really gotta highlight the fact that they're from California. Cause I just feel like our scene's kind of weak, yo. There's CU space, cowboy and seizures and not a whole lot else. I mean, there's the homies and Wolf King, but they're not like really in that vein anymore they're you know there's name as well as far as mathcore goes you're absolutely right a little there's dry, very, f- little just dry. very few yep. very few there's a lot of great hardcore bands and metal bands and oh absolutely ton of crust and you know whatever else but just very few like chaotic and heavy bands in this same kind of like vein so I- i'm always stoked to see another one pop up like this and oh, forgetting our our good close friends in a car made of glass and potion, you know, yep. Yep. Wade and Quentin and Hunter and all those cats. Um, but anyway, so yeah, the CP just kind of came out of left field. Uh, I ended up missing it in my year in review. I'll go. I should probably add it to the the, the additional recap post I just put up recently. Um, but this EP has some great moments. Yet another case in which I, I had more time to digest the release. But you know, nonetheless, it's a highlight in retrospect. And uh, fans of Converge, Gaza, and essentially anything in like the Death Wish catalog are going to enjoy this. <laughs> Would you agree? Yeah, that was a good way to put that. Absolutely. I, I know that's kind of a broad statement to make, considering there's like bands like Gouge Away and um, you know Wear Your Wounds, bands like other projects. So it, it, the label's kind of diverse, but I think you can more or less pick up on what I'm saying with those first two comparisons, at least. And uh, the only thing I, I found strange was they're using their band name as a song title, which is also a lyric in said song confusing i mean i guess if horse the band can do it they can too so um homies vocals also kind of remind me of the guy from uh, just you know destroy all operating systems remember them barrier dead had a song called barrier dead on a self-titled album with the with literally the only lyric was barrier dead (laughs) so if anything yeah so if anything life is precious is lighter on that side that was Bar- the example i was trying to think of originally barrier dead basically topped everybody immediately without anybody trying but they definitely they they like all four parts they cornered it uh, you know i guess it doesn't come across as pretentious though so i, I don't really have a i don't have a problem with it <laughs> all right well never mind then everyone so moving on <laughs> that's a non-issue that we just talked about for a full two minutes um i gotta say favorite track on this album uh thorns inside fucking basically outplayed it immediately did you listen to the whole album yeah uh, nope just thorns inside why <laughs> <laughs> ah, well thanks for doing your homework i listened to the first 10 seconds of the first song <laughs> didn't like it like the name thorns inside moved on <laughs> well i was thinking that we should listen to means to an end i, I agree with you there too yeah. i think that's the strongest track overall on the album so um we're gonna listen to means to an end which is track four from heaven and earth which came out on november 1st of 2018 here we go. 
All right, so that was Means to an End by Life is Precious, and that's track four from their new EP, Heaven and Earth. And that came out November 1st of 2018. So next we're going to talk about Countdown from 10. Countdown from 10 are an instrumental math rock band from Philly. They released their first single in late 2017, and then their debut EP, Speakeasy Petting Zoo, late last year. Literally had no time to digest this one, full disclosure, like at all. Um, so to be honest, my notes, again, are, are very scant, but it's certainly worth mentioning because it's just kind of this weird, creepy, pitch-shifty math rock vibe. Yeah, <clears throat> it's great. Um, there was a lot of uh, times where I kind of got this Don Caballero feel with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to say just first off, um, uh, the, I think it's a... Uh, Bab- uh, Babadook, I believe, is the track. Yes, um, so good. That one is my favorite by far. It grabbed me the most. Halfway um, to the Hyena House is also really excellent, too. Halfway to the Hyena House is probably the one that gave me the most of the Don Cab feels, Christian. So, yeah. I um, can definitely see what you're saying with the Don Cab feels. Uh, yep. Since we're going to just jump right into the comparisons, yep. Hella, um, they list Town Portal and So I Watch You From Afar amongst their influences, but I hardly listen to those bands. So I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah. I couldn't really put that into context. I only just given those bands like cursory listens, but um, Terra Melos I can understand, and Battles maybe even too, given the pitch shifting. But yeah, the Hella Don Cab thing, I certainly see. Man, this band, this band, I some of the tracks, I just, I feel like vocals would be so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty Here we are championing the use of vocals. But no they, instrumental this, bands but they, hey, ever. But this ain't, yeah. But this ain't our, this ain't our band. This is just we're 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 just just like hey, I I would like this. I'm not we're just two nerds just, on a podcast yep, that just sitting. No, no one listens to. Yep, <laughs> appealing to the tens of hundreds, just doing that. The okay. tens. Tens of listeners. To the tens. Hey guys. <laughs> I think we can say it's dozens now. You know, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to toot my own oh, horn. Cheers, bud. Thanks. <laughs> break my arm, pat myself on the back, but you know. 2019, big things coming our way. <laughs> Next year, we're going to say hundreds. <laughs> Sponsorship time. Um, but uh, yeah, man, um, I would say Babadook for the track, unless you want to do uh, the hyena one. You know, I, I think we should go ahead and do Babadook, yeah. Cool. So we're going to listen to Babadook, which is track two from Speakeasy Petting Zoo by Countdown from 10. And that's their new album that came out on... Levi, do you know when that came out? Fuck no. For fuck's sake. I don't have it written down. So I'll tell you after the song's over. Here we go. Thank you. 
right, so that was Babadook from Countdown from 10. And that's off their new album, Speakeasy Petting Zoo. And that came out on October 3rd of 2018, in case you were wondering. Um, and, you know, we were having sort of a hard time there deciding which track we were going to listen to, but Halfway to the Hyena House, uh, track two, also very, very good. I feel like Halfway to the Hyena House just starts stronger as far as math core wise. Just as far as just, just, I mean, just it grabs I mean, you a little for, bit more from the beginning. I mean, just for us, like being, you know, math cast and then playing the track, I mean, you'd expect us just to go. Yeah, Baba Duke really hits its peak like halfway through the track, whereas halfway to the Hyena House starts off with that like immediately cool, like diminished riff. You know, Baba Duke takes a little bit longer to develop, but I think it's more rewarding ultimately in that way. Jam both. Get back to us, guys. Let us us know. know. What's your your favorite countdown from 10 track? Hmm. So next we're going to talk about Infinite Nomad. Infinite Nomad are an international microtonal progressive death metal band featuring guitarist songwriter Gene Strider of Coma Cluster Void. Dude, no way. Yes. That's why. Never mind. <laughs> Half of my fucking notes are done. That's why. Okay. Um, <laughs> Love this fucking shit. It also features drummer Lee Fisher of Psyopus, formerly of Psyopus, and Shut the fuck up. currently of Fawn Limbs. <laughs> I love Levi's reaction right now. I'm just blowing I'm at, his mind. I am at half mass right now, everybody. And uh, Ely Hylan, Halen, rather, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, on vocals, also of Fawn Limbs. So this band only has one single out. So full disclosure, we don't really have much in a, of, you know, of an opinion formed on it as there's very little material to digest. But if you've enjoyed Coma Cluster Void's output and Fawn Limbs output, uh, this will really wet your whistle. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> this could possibly be even more forward-thinking. Sorry, I just noticed one of my cables is reaching the end of its days there, so sorry about the crackling sound. Um, but as I was saying, if you enjoy Coma Cluster Void and Fawn Limbs output, you're really going to enjoy this. Just really on that same kind of like angular Gorguts tip, very heavy kind of ion dissonance. Um, very it's, Canadian. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, it's it's fucking well done. It's very well done. So we're gonna listen to the uh, the only single that's available, "Luminous Throat." Here we go. <laughs>
All right, so that was Luminous Throat by Infinite Nomad. And that's off there. Well, it's not off anything. It's a single. Shit's disgusting. Wish I had a release date, but I we couldn't tell you wanna, when it came out. We don't want to give you one. Uh, it's a single, yeah. So you'll figure it out when they actually put out an album. Mm-hmm. So last, we're going to revisit Forests. Forests are a poppy emo math rock band from Singapore. Um, they've released their first debut EP, Worst Beach Vacation Ever, circa 1997, back in 2015. <laughs> Love that name. Yep. Sun Eat Moon Grave Party, which was more or less a full length in 2016, and we, one of my top albums of 2016. That was actually one of the first bands that we covered on this podcast. It was the very first band that we covered on the very first episode of this podcast. Hmm. hmm. They've been on one of our compilations as well, and uh, since then they've grown to become one of my favorite bands. Uh, I love this band because the emotion behind the music feels very honest and sincere, and that just totally sucks me in. Man, if you want to see how sincere and honest these guys are, just go on uh, on YouTube and look at their live sets. The the crowd response, session videos too. The session videos, but the crowd response that they get at, at shows is, and especially like the smaller intimate ones. I mean, the, everybody knows the lyrics. It's just very crowd participant, and it's just it's it's amazing. Like mm-hmm. it, it's very good, feel good, fucking math rock here, man. I agree. And uh, the lyrics are just also incredibly memorable. Every song has one or two parts where I'm pretty much obligated to stop whatever I'm doing to chant along. Yep. Especially in songs like Kawaii Kawaii, Gold Dust, and Cirrus Clouds, which was re-recorded from their first EP. Um, we we spoke about this um, on the when like, on that first podcast. Uh, the the lyrical content that they use and the influence from just American emo and everything, and they write in that style where I swear, I still swear to God, you guys are from my fucking hometown or something like that. Like it's, it's amazing. I, I, the, the writing is so fucking good, you know, um, from what, from 2016 to here we are beginning of 2019, still fucking talking about Daryl and those guys, man. So Daryl, Nikki and Adam. Mm. Yeah. You got us. They haven't fired the drummer yet. Mm. Yeah. Forests are, <laughs> as Levi was just explaining, they're nostalgia inducing for, people like myself and him who are lovers of you know midwest emo and math we are rock suckers for it and who can't resist a good sing-along um but also demand a higher level of musicianship and songwriting and that is exactly what this band delivers it, it's they they perfectly they, it's practically perfect for what they're trying to accomplish you know lovers of cap and jazz delta sleep and snooze all of which we talked about before uh, will be all over this it's a bittersweet thing i'm not sure if we're ever gonna see these guys live but you know um it's it's just really good to know that this exists and seeing everything you know i'm hopefully going to southeast asia later this year so maybe i, I might actually be able to get out there and oh see yeah forests. i am too actually <laughs> i'm hopefully going i don't know it's sort of up in the air um so yeah we're gonna listen to perfect worst team you know and that's <laughs> <laughs> track two from spending eternity in a japanese convenience store fucking so good that's such a good album name dude and the, the cover is perfect too and it's, it's like and then, uh, it's literally in front of a japanese convenience store as, as near as i can tell I, I believe it's a real one because i think on their instagram uh as of to this date uh they just posted like a a, a cell phone holding, shot yeah. of the same pretty much convenience store i'm not sure if it was from a fan or if it's from them but yeah it's good it is good so um again yeah Perfect Worst Team, you know, track two, Forest, Spending Eternity in a Japanese Convenience Store, came out on January 1st of 2019, which is great because now it'll make our year in review of 2019. Oh, shit. Here we go. (laughs) 
So that was Perfect Worst Team, you know, by Forests, And that's track two from Spending Eternity in a Japanese Convenience Store. And that came out on January 1st of 2019. 
you know, one of my other favorite highlights from that album, just want to quickly say, is the fact that they managed to squeeze in the feels like your best friend is leaving forever lyrical reprise on how's leaving coming along. I think I nearly cried when I heard that. It's <laughs> fucking beautiful, man. I know you haven't really spent enough time with the album, but at they, all, they, they bring back that. Uh, I can't do anything now that it's over part. Um, and just so excellently just place it at the end of this album. Um, just a great fucking callback. Well done. So next we're going to recap our favorite albums of 2018. So I'll go ahead and start us off, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and skip my EPs, but I, <laughs> I, I was wondering if you're <laughs> I'm not going to post, I'm not going to talk about any of the, the honorable mentions and EPs as, I, as many as there were on my, my best of list. I just did top 10 Christian went in deep. I, I tried to, again, deliver a comprehensive list of what I felt were all the best releases of the even, year. And then you just released the, uh, the, the, the honorable mentions as well. Well, I did an entire, it wasn't even an honorable mention, but well, I guess you could call it that, but I did a, um, a leftovers edition, best of 2018. Yeah. If you will. Leftovers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some other things that, uh, that maybe we overlooked that still deserve your attention. So, um, without further ado, uh, go ahead and start with me. My, my number 10 was vain air zone. I might receive a little bit of flack for this. Um, considering some people are calling it new metal tinged. I sort of disagree with that. This was a great, exciting album. Ton of energy. Uh, it translates into a great live show. I think we all know that that was one of the best albums of the year. So, enough said. Uh, my number nine was Kin Mode. Loved, and wow, just amazing percussive, dual bass assault. Great lyrics. Great vocals. Um, just a, a well-rounded album experience. My number eight was Cult Leader. A patient man you know I didn't really enjoy the the softer moments on the record that people were calling <laughs> um, crash test dummies you know I, I definitely get that comparison by the way but Tom Waits Nick Cave everyone's kind of sort of really tapping into that baritone thing right now I think um, I find that sort of cheesy but man the strong moments on this record are very very strong the crash Especially. test dummies is so good i can't <laughs> levi's just dying over here <laughs> silently covertly ah, i didn't um, get that out of my system <laughs> uh everyone will get that comparison just go listen to crash test dummies and tell me it doesn't anthony lucero does not fucking sound like that there's a fucking track called mm, 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 from the crash test mm, dummies mm, go yeah. listen to that and then yeah, anyways all right, all right, it, I'm, 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 I'm getting out of dating ourselves <clears throat> uh but yeah, again, I am healed. Um, that that song, especially, just that "heal me" part, gets me going. It's totally the vocal performance is completely unhinged. Uh, fuck me if that's not a great part. And also, the album, the layout done by um, Anthony Lucero, and again, uh, the art done by Anthony Lucero, and the the layout done by Jacob Bannon. You cannot deny that's great. My number seven was "The Armed Only Love." And just what a what a sonic wall of sound, electro metal, uh, in the vein of Genghis Tron. They're really channeling Genghis Tron, in my opinion. And uh, just best in, enjoyed at very loud volumes. Just let it wash over you. It's not very mathcore, I know, as a couple of the other things on my list aren't either. But uh, they've sort of shifted stylistically, and I think that's sort of the theme of this year: is bands progressing, switching it up, 
you know, not uh, not just doing the same thing over and over again. I think that that's important. That this is how art progresses. This is how we make progress. Uh, my number five was Carnival Ghosts, charitable design. I said from the beginning, I'm just sort of quoting myself here, that Paul Hundeby would be releasing uh, a sleeper hit of the year with Carnival Ghosts, his new project of all, you know, also of Arms and City of Aoife. Uh, and here we are, you know, excellent, very well-rounded album, incredibly touching and emotional lyrics, very catchy, just memorable all around. Um, a lot of good feels on that album. My number five was Noise Says, their self-titled album. Full disclosure, I helped put out this record through my label, Dark Trail, but I absolutely do love it that much. It's incredible. I mean, next-level musicianship and songwriting. Uh, my number four was Sectioned, Annihilated. You know, Pedram uh, Valiani. Pedram. <laughs> Pedram. <laughs> Pedram. Uh, just, you know, he, he's, he's a busy boy. And uh, I'm glad to see that Section put out such a, f- a really strong full length, considering that he's got other projects going on. Especially that, that feedback breakdown in Starved Lives. That just goes so fucking hard. Uh, that that alone is enough reason to give this album a chance. Uh, my number three, that being said, was Frontier Unloved. Uh, I love this album for a lot of the same reasons. Even if you think it sounds just like sectioned or vice versa, that is no reason to not try to enjoy this this material. The songwriting team of Chad Capper and uh, Pedram Baliani just it's it's next level. They're they're doing really good stuff. If you like Tony Danza, um, Meshuga, Ion Dissonance, that kind of stuff, you should keep your eye on this band. Uh, my number two was Delta Sleep, Ghost City. What more can I say? Y'all know how much I love that band. Uh, my number one was Daughters. You won't get what you want. So I'm sure this might come as a surprise to some of you, given uh, my, my less than favorable initial reaction. But you know, after spending some time with the album, and especially after seeing them live in San Francisco, my appreciation has grown exponentially. Uh, you know, they, they just continually reinvent themselves. Uh, this is just everything that, that self-titled should have been just better songwriting and more complete ideas you know at first i was really turned off by the no wave and industrial elements um and the the more minimalist approach but i I think it really works for them since they just put it so so well into context especially that you know that throbbing opener of of city songs i rejected that so hard at first i wanted to hate this album so badly exactly i was like what the fuck is going on right now what is this industrial bullshit this is not even an actual acoustic drum kit. Maybe it is actually just very oversaturated or with some sort of, you know, distortion or whatever on the kick. But uh, it, grabs it, you by the balls, though. Yeah, you, you just gotta you just gotta ride the snake, man. Mm-hmm. Ooh. As Jim Morrison once said, just ride the snake <laughs> to the lake. You know, don't fight it. Just go along with it. Enjoy it. Uh, I think that's what this is about. You know, you just, you just gotta embrace this album. It is a, a ride, and. Uh, you know, again, City Song just seems to now, in retrospect, just fit perfectly before the hypnotizing, mesmerizing, long roads, no turns, and Satan in the weight. 
you know the album does hit kind of a slower pace here when it, when it hits um less sex and daughter those are again that really turned me off initially but they ended up being you know much needed breathers for the other songs which are just insane um but on those two aforementioned songs they're really kind of channeling nine inch nails interestingly enough um but you that's know, a interesting comparison yeah uh but but from there uh again as i said that they're much needed relief from the songs like flammable man the lord song ocean song and the near perfect finisher great uh excuse me guest house but uh again I'm, I'm sort of quoting myself here word for word from our best of article but the true brilliance of you won't get what you want is not just in the music it's in the message so artfully embedded in the lyrics of the reason they hate me and the album's title itself don't tell me how to do my job, you gimme gimme son of a bitch. Daughters are here to uncompromisingly create the art they want to create, and they will not be slaves to the convention of releasing a homogenized ca uh, catalog of similar sounding albums. And if you're expecting another Canada songs, you won't get what you want. Oof. So, that's my, my best of 2018. Levi, you want to take it away from there? All right, here we go. Um, so 10, uh, kind of a hard one to place on my list, but it had to be on here. Uh, cult leader, a patient man. Yeah. You went back on, back and forth on that one. As, yeah. as did I. I wasn't sure if it was going to make my initial <clears throat> top 10, but it is due to the slower parts that Christian mentioned, the very crash dust dummies kind of a comparison there. Yeah. That should um, turn me off too. Initially. I, I, I've just, I've been, I don't know. I fell in love with Cult Leader for other reasons, um, but also bands mature and just do other things. So. Again, that, that's the whole theme of this year with with yep. Rolla Tomasi, Daughters, Cult Leader, all seeing a lot of experimentation. We're and it, what's really funny about his vocals, the, the the vocal styling that he is going towards, I I love and I actually I, I dig it a lot. But it's just I'm not I'm sometimes I'm not willing to wait in, through a track. I just I want to hear Cult Leader rip through some shit you know um but that's just what it was and it's, it's all good um i just once again just um going from gaza to cult leader and, and then they've, they've always done that too cult leader yeah. they, they've always done the singing parts they've, they've been in like every single one of the releases page, release, so. uh, yeah this this last one though it's a it's, it's, tested. it's more it's, prominent it's more prominent for sure mm -hmm. um so yeah um so let's let's go to number nine um it's probably not on really anybody's list this year but um it's going to be infernal coil uh within a world of forgotten somebody on instagram shouted you out for that selection um and a good fucking call dude so this is i mean and i'm taking this from christian actually i mean this is straight like anti-music <laughs> if you just want a blackened wall of chaotic sound i mean it's great. Um, if anybody knows, like, about <laughs> this band, it's uh, we covered them on the podcast. Uh, like, you think Full of Hell is doing some noisy shit? You should fucking get into this band. Like the, the, the pedigree is unquestionably good. Boom! I mean, Blake was involved in Dead in the Dirt, and me and him call it us. I Which are all walls of fucking sound. It's like Blake really knows how to just be obnoxious as far as, like, <laughs> creating amazing fucking just chaotic music. Blake love you just keep doing it i don't care what anybody says um yeah so number eight once again i'm not sure if it's on anybody's lists but um graph orlock um an examination of violent cinema i don't think anyone that was on anyone's radar this so year. this is actually a late referral by one and only christian um he was like <laughs> have you checked out the new graph orlock i replied what the fuck levi loves the sample bands dude well first of all i'm a big screamo kid from back in the day and uh i just uh graph orlock i mean i had i had the picture discs and everything and i i sold those to move to california did you really? yeah, absolutely oh god I damn not, absolutely this is news to me 
Um, so so I, I sold a lot of my my screamo vinyl to move to California. No, he's like, I'm just gonna. I got a bunch of shit. I'm just gonna throw it away. There's <laughs> a Hellfest DVD. The the Hellfest DVD. Y'all know which one I'm talking about. I just want to toss. He that just shit. gave it to me because he was gonna fucking throw it away, and I was uh, like, no, no, no. <laughs> so so I mean like so Graf Orlock. I mean with Christian saying about the the inserts and stuff, like it is still Graf Orlock, but dude. These tracks are fucking three to four to five minutes long. It is crazy how long Graf Orlock is. Like, these dudes have gotten older, still angry and pissed. Yeah, and I noticed someone was like, oh, their songs are over two minutes? Yeah, it's 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 really interesting because the way that Graf Orlock goes They've about... have aged, we've all aged. Well, I mean, like, the way how aggressive, how aggressive the music is, it's kind of like we were talking about uh, Femur uh, before and everything with just the longer tracks mm-hmm. and limbs and stuff. Like, dude, I, I mean, I'm... I listened to the track and I'm like, whoa, that tore my nuts off. What the, whoa, that was four minutes. What the fuck? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> so anyways, um, that's where I'm at with Graf Warlock. Just, um, great to see you guys back. I don't know how long you're going to be around, but God damn it. Just nice to see you. It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Jerome's dream, whenever they re- released that record here in 2019, mm-hmm. God damn it. It's going to be nice to see him around for however long they're see around. See the caterpillar coming back all of a sudden. Boner. Just... Um, so, uh, next Christian mouth breather. Oh fuck yeah! Number seven, um, doll meat. Uh, I'm really all gonna leave you with this. It's the ending track, "Milk Shit Dirt." Just check that shit out. It, it's it's the best. It's the best. Just angry, frustrated, hardcore I've heard this year. Um, I mean, so you're you're probably gonna either love or hate the vocal as stylings. You should, as you should. Game on. It's like, and I, I'm not even so sure. It's like he has no technique, but it's like, well, yeah, there's no, it's not about technique. It is about just straight up visceral reaction to whatever he's talking about. It's, it's emotional. So mouth breather was, um, one of the bands that played at math core index fest this summer. Um, as well, we did, uh, an on the street, uh, uh Brooklyn, um, interview with them. Um, we'll, we'll try to link both of those videos in yeah, the description um, for you but as well. When you guys, when you guys listen to the interview, vocalist is well aware and the guitar, everybody is well aware of the fuck they're doing. They're playing some fucking frustrating hardcore some people are gonna like it some people aren't gonna like it like just that punk rock hardcore scene is it is it is what it is you know right just they you you make it and fuck you if you don't like it so yeah anyways um so moving on <laughs> from there uh six noises so uh everybody out My there little math bays yeah <laughs> just hold them <laughs> a little manger uh but um i i feel like with this with this band uh, the comparison's already out there, but it, it, it sounds like somebody just took the number 12 looks like you uh, car as far as mongrel and sad nuclear sa- sad or whatever and just fucking ran with that shit. And honestly, dude, I love how they're driving the car. It sounds great. It's amazing. It, I, I really don't know where to put it right now. Um, I just keep jamming this shit. Um, I'm really happy that Dark Trail is part of uh, doing the, the vinyl release and everything. Thanks, Gene. Yeah. And if you've ordered that, don't worry. You're still going to get it. A <laughs> couple people have emailed like, "Yo, where's the fuck my where's my record?" But yeah, dude, I, I'm literally it's coming. I'm sitting beside this guy, and I'm I'm still waiting for 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 the release. But like, once again, once again, like, it's just um th- this band. Uh, I really want to see more from them. I love that there's there's two vocals going on, and I I just I mean the 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 number twelve comparison in just the nicest way. You know, it's just it is what it is, man. Uh, so next, um, number five, um, meth album i love you <laughs> it is relentless dark and just unloved screamo grind uh mathy shit and it's just it's it's wonderful yeah sub alvarez is involved in a number of really great projects uh this project was recently signed to prosthetic records boom bitches so yep. kudos to them uh he's also in cadence fox tweak 
tweak is another one that you i really am into yes tweak and meth seb just really kind of hit it home with those two yeah there's another one yet another band that i'm forgetting right now that's kind of in the vein of airborne radar but um but even how he spells how he how he does meth it's all lowercase with just a period afterwards um i I think it's the best manifestation so far it's amazing um but just the album title i love you and then just how how just i love you only love unloved loved are you seeing a trend here this year yep 2018 and all the bands were feeling the love vibe or not <laughs> we debatable we're not sure um so um <laughs> next next on the list here uh number four uh we got good game uh good luck yeah. have fun i listen if good you, luck man if you guys are listening to us right now and i gotta say if I got to explain anything about Good Game, I don't know where what to tell you. Um, just check out Good Game. Um, rest in peace. You made the list. No, no, they're not. They're not done. Brock recently just brought the project back with a whole new lineup. Hey, everyone, Christian's dropping some news on me. <laughs> Should have addressed that with you previously. I'll talk with you after this, actually, about that. No, no. Uh, what's that? I edited that part of your statement out of the article for that reason. If you so, didn't notice, so 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 apparently, <laughs> <laughs> and then I forgot to break it to you that it was they're not in fact. Done. Ah, you cut me, huh? Okay. Uh, but uh, hey, guys, good news. Good game is back. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. Right. So just check those guys out. Um, number three, um, daughters. Uh, you won't get what you want. Um, like Christian said. Fuck which fuck fucking Canada songs, hell songs, all that shit. I mean, and fuck the fact that it's not even mathcore. People are like, I don't know if this is mathcore. It's it's like what is it? They were previously a mathcore band. Like if you're expecting no crossover, you get over it. Yeah, suck it. Um, Brace I'll, yourself. Basically. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say we'll do more of that if you really want it. Um, so honestly, with this band, I I was a hater until. Um, so they released it, and what do you think? It was about a month after they released it, we saw them live, Christian? That's about right, yeah. Wow. Seeing them play the songs live and everything, I really just kind of... It, it made me be a little more patient for the music instead of sitting in my room angry about Daughters. Um, angry I, about I, the change. I, I sat in front of them and watched them with, you know, just seeing them. And man, it was a fucking ride, and it was <sighs> awesome. And, every, and now I go back to the album, and it's a great fucking ride all through the album. It's it's a very matured. Uh, I mean, like it's it's great, man. It's fucking great. Uh, every everything about it is, it, and it's still daughters in a way. Yes, just they've like, managed to place their sound in a more mature and accessible context, yep. and it's it's for everyone now. It's not just for for niche nerds, which might be upsetting for for some of us who really want them to just fucking be weird and fast and grindy and screamy all the time. But someone said "Talking Heads from Hell," and that's what really sort of started to make me warm up to the album. Well, dude, you and then it, you, you you quoted Jim Morrison with the whole thing, and even that, just the <laughs> swagger of what you know Lex is doing, everything with his vocals. Jesus I mean, lizard listen, kind of vibe, man, yeah. It is what it is, the man. The drunken Hell Elvis, as they yeah. say. Yep, but he's sober, so hey. <laughs> right. Yep. All right. So um, on that note, uh, number two, uh, it is Vane, Arizona. It made it number ten on Christians. Uh, it is you a put little it way higher on there. mine, for the same reasons that Christian put. It on his number 10 probably is that it's got a little hate you know is a little you know perhaps a little more new metalish you know like you know yeah perspective but listen man fuck everybody out there go watch old videos especially like uh this is the this is hardcore uh 2000 what is it 17 christian especially or? if you like hardcore dance yes yeah. there's i mean it's just undeniably the, a fun moshy the, album the following of this band is 
amazing, um, even in the earlier days. But just this uh, Arizona fucking ripped my dick off, dude. I I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Hail the whammy, game on, right? Long live the whammy pedal. Absolutely. Long live the whammy pedal. So yeah, on that note, dude, everybody knows about Vane. So we're gonna move on to uh, number one, where everybody uh, has also know about uh, Delta Sleep, Go City. Um, that's gonna be uh, just uh, my number one for the reasons that it's Delta Sleep. Just so happy that they released another one. Um, we had the pleasure of interviewing them um, two months ago, and just uh, it's it's another ride. Uh, I love these themed albums that uh, Delta Sleep seems to be doing. This one was that post-apocalyptic mm-hmm. kind of approach, and um, that is almost more of a reason. Not only is the album just great from like track one till the end, but it, there's a theme behind it where it gives you more of a reason and a purpose to fucking just sit down and fucking relax and just listen to the goddamn album, you know? Um, but uh, just so many highlights on that record too. Yep. yep. And just um, not only did I respect him before us interviewing him, but after inter- interviewing him, um, just amazing people and down to earth. Um, coming from some really awesome backgrounds and they have a really good story um, if you guys are at all hesitant at buying an album or a t-shirt from this band I mean god damn it just give them give them your money I mean these guys are going some places and they obviously are very grateful and very modest in what they do so um, Delta Sleep number one game on well said alright so next we're going to play our interview with James Spence of Rolo Tomasi We recently had the pleasure of interviewing James when we saw them in San Francisco with the Number 12 Looks Like You on their 12 Days of Number 12 tour with Arsonists Get All the Girls. And a couple disclaimers. This is a rather lengthy discussion. It's uh, 40 minutes, so just prepare yourself for that. And the other disclaimer is is that we were in a bar, so you might hear a bit of background noise, uh, but we talk about our favorite releases of 2018, the state of the scene, uh, their progressions as musicians, um, a whole slew of other things. So uh, if you are down for a, basically a long talk about music, you'll probably enjoy this. Here we go. All right, so Math Core Index here. We're here with James Spence of Rela Tomasi. Thank you so much for joining us, James. Thank you very much for having me. So uh, I know that you and Eva joined the band when you were both 13. How did the band originally get started, and uh, what got you into extreme music? So the band started actually, Eva would have been 14, I would have been 15, I think, just to kind of like clear that up. We're not, we're brother and sister, we're not twins, we're, there's like 18 months between us. Uh, I guess the first things that got me into heavy music, um, the first gig I ever went to was Muse. Um, that when they were touring Origin of Symmetry, this would have been back in like 2001 or 2002. I, yeah, around 12 or 13 when I went to my first show. And... Um, I'd seen a video on MTV2, like a friend of mine, he had like cable TV at home and there was just something about it that just like struck a chord with me. I was like, what is this? And it was the kind of thing that made me want to pick up guitar and then I remember hearing like Blink-182 on the radio in the UK, like round about the time an Enema of the State came out and like that was, it was those two things I was like, okay, I, w- I want to be able to play an instrument. Played a bit of piano and like I'd learned guitar at school I was kind of very actively encouraged by my parents to pursue music like my dad played music and was in bands when he was younger but that was like they're the two things that I remember that got me into like let's just call it rock music as a blanket kind of term um, from there so at that music gig there was a band called 100 Reasons who were like a post-hardcore band from the UK they had one really really successful album never did anything outside of England with the exception of like 
maybe one European tour and they went to Japan once. But like they, they sold hundreds of thousands of copies of their record in the UK. It, it's kind of wild, like looking back on that, that they, they didn't capitalize on any successes they were having. But, you know, it's like pre-social media, it's a different time for music. They used to get compared to At The Drive-In and it was basically... The only comparison is that their singer had an afro. They sound nothing alike. And this was at a time when it was like, you know, it's just dial-up internet. There's not... It's hard to find out about stuff. So I was buying so much print music, like, magazines. And when I would, like, follow this band really, really intently, if, they, if I knew they were in a magazine, I would buy it. And this, com- this comparison kept coming up. So I was like, I've got to listen to this band. So I ended up buying an Out the Driving CD, and that was just, like... That was it. And it's just like that that was the beginning of the rabbit hole of like finding everything out. And I was so it was the kind of like obsessive music fan. Whenever an artist that I like got compared to something else, I would buy that and keep going. So at the driving gets compared like Thursday gets compared to at the driving. That kind of opens me up to heavier sounding vocals. And then I was really lucky, there was a few really, really good music magazines at the time. Um, but we have one particular called Rock Sound. They used to have cover mount CDs. Um, and they were like really, really pushing a lot of heavier US artists that I had no access to otherwise. So like bands like Converge, and um, just just a lot, like a lot of artists. I mean, that magazine is not what it used to be now. Um, but they they were really, really pushing extreme music and kind of made a lot of this available to to me. And I was just like just so like a sponge, just soaking in everything. Me and Eva actually did a band before this when we would have been like twelve and fourteen. It was like a it's like a pop punk band. There's nothing you can find on this musically. The tracks have never gone online. Whatever, we're gonna find it. Yeah, <laughs> and they never will. So we'd we'd played music. To doxing. <laughs> we'd we'd played music together already, and we had we had really really similar tastes. We went to shows with all of our friends. Like there was like a group of us that would go out together. So whenever I was buying stuff, she would like take my CDs, and obviously we kind of went off on our own tangents and stuff. But there was a load of artists that we kind of like bonded over or there was like you know that point in the Venn diagram where it's like this is what we both like um, and then it kind of reached the point where she would be listening to stuff and I'd be like oh you know what's that and we would just would buy stuff and just trade like I'm listening to this I'm listening to this so you basically zines sounds like they played a, a very important role in your discovering hardcore and like extreme yeah, music totally zines like message boards online um, I, had a, I had a friend that was like a year older than me at school as well and he was just like even more obsessive about this kind of stuff than I was and he, he turned me on to so so much music and like I would just kind of follow him around because he, he knew what he was talking about he was so well read on everything and if he said like we're gonna go to see this show I'd like I would just follow him there you know and like it was really cool. He ended up going to, to study in Leeds, which is like um, like a 45-minute train ride from Sheffield. Like, really, really strong DIY scene there. And that was kind of like my first exposure to that as, as something. Because prior to that, it's like, you know, I was paying like £10 to go to big, like, concerts that were booked by national promoters and artists that were in the mainstream. And then I had no idea of this kind of, like, sort of counterculture that came alongside with heavy music. And... I remember he took me to a house show once. And I was like, just going to say, there's something about a house show. You can go to Muse, but as soon as you go to a house that show... That was the there's... thing, and it was the kind of thing, prior to that, I'd read about it happening, and I was like, this is the kind of thing that only happens in America. And, like, you know, you read about it in zines and stuff, and it kind of creates this thing, and it's like... I didn't realise that people were doing that in England. Um, and we went to one in Leeds, and he took me to it, and I was just like, oh, my God, there is, like something happening that I have just discovered and it's the most amazing thing in the world and I have to be part of this and I think it's you know everyone's got those watershed moments like that and that was one of them I was like you know people like me made this happen when you originally started Rilla Tomasi so it would have been me and our original guitarist Joe 
Um, and then Eva was, at the time, so the very first iteration of the band, I was playing guitar and doing vocals, Eva was playing keys, and then the other three original members were doing their roles. And it reached a point where we didn't, every band in our area had two guitarists, and we were like, oh, this, we want to do something different. Eva wasn't, the, and I don't think she would care that I would say this, she's not a very good keyboard player. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I'm going to switch to keys, and like, then she was like, well, let me try out for vocals kind of thing. But yeah, it would have been me and our original guitarist, Joe. Like, we, we'd played in a band before, and he was a like, phenomenally talented musician, and we were all getting into really similar stuff at the same time. And then we knew the other two guys, they'd been in another band, they were like really good friends of ours from like, you know, like middle school, I guess is the equivalent here. Like we, we'd all been, to, like we, oh, we'd all been to school together since we were four. Like that, that's how we'd known each other for that long. We were all the same age, all got into really similar stuff at the same time. And I think there was just a few bands that people heard and it was like, I don't want to be in a pop punk emo band anymore. This is the music that we're going to make. And we were really lucky that Joe was like, very, very proficient with a lot of classical and jazz styles. And so he, he was, you know, I'd be giving him stuff like Dillinger and all these other bands. He'd be like, oh, well, this is like kind of combining my classical training with something else that's kind of like, my parents aren't going to like it. And that's amazing. It's like that, that kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. just, you know, and yeah, he, he was like a big driving force with like the, the, the creative side of it. And yeah, he's since gone on to become a, a chemist, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So he left uh, 2011. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he was a very brilliant musician and he decided that, I mean, he's still playing in, in another band. Um, but yeah, he wanted to do something else and that's fine because, you know, he'd been in the band for like six or seven years and it's really, really hard to keep five people committed to the same level. So we're big fans of the Holy Roar Records output. How did the label discover you guys? MySpace. Christian and I drop MySpace a lot. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think there's like one discussion that we, we have where we don't mention, oh, remember that band? It was on MySpace. You know? we, we, it's like almost like MySpace bands we categorize yeah, them in. For real, like, and th without that website as a tool as it was, we wouldn't have been able to do half the stuff we did. Like, we'd book tours through it. We would used to post bulletins and say, like, we have dates in these places who can fill it. And it's how, like, it's how we met so many people that have been absolutely integral to our development. Like, Alex, you're in Surly Raw, sent us a message on MySpace. Come and play a gig at my house. And this was before he'd set the label up. And then he eventually, he moved to London, set the label up, and then we'd stayed in contact. It's like, we're doing this label, like, want to release an EP. And, you know, we met so, so many people, and, you know, people that have gone on to be really, really successful in music and just in life. And these are people, like, that were MySpace kids. And, yeah, it's kind of remarkable. I think we were just, we were exactly the right age to take advantage of that and we're part of a generation you're that, part of that era for sure exactly yeah. you know like I'll classify you as a MySpace era band yeah and I, I think so as well speaking um, you know and at the time it was kind of like a dirty thing but like looking back on it it's well, we would, it was, it's kind of, yeah, essential to everything that we've done. Christian and I would basically describe the two bands you're with tonight, uh, Arsonist and Number 12, to be that of Same MySpace era. bands. Yeah. People have, I've seen comments online, people are describing this as a MySpace reunion tour. Right. It's like, is this 2005? Well, exactly, yeah. <laughs> we have no problem with that here at MathCore yeah. Index. <laughs> we fully endorse it, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Regression, 2019, here we go. <laughs> it feels good. <laughs> We're going backwards. All right. Um, so, how did the split with cutting pink with knives come about? Were they in your local scene, or no? So they were. They were based in London, and I think uh, eventually Alex 
who uh, runs Holy Roll would be playing bass for them. And they were, like, I put them on a few times in Sheffield, like, when they were touring, at least once. And um, it was just something we got asked to do, a split with them, and we're like, yeah, we've played loads of shows with you guys, we like them, and we had stuff that was just there waiting to be released. And, yeah, they were just they were just around at the time. We would play a lot of the same bills. And it I makes, think... It makes sense, considering you both have synthesizers. I think so, yeah, yeah. And, like, at the time, we kind of, like, sought kinship with bands that... Understandably so. so. Like with Trencher as well, they're another UK band, like Casio Core, I think they were kind of billed as at the time. You've been labeled as Nintendo Core in the past yeah, too. Regrettably. Cyber kind of thing going on, yeah. Have you never listened to did you have you heard Trencher? Maybe in passing. Oh man. Like they did um the best recorded thing they did was they did like a radio session for B- BBC One with John Peel. And um that like it's the best sounding recordings they've done it's amazing it's like a split record with a band called Esquilax who again we did a load of stuff with at the time because they used keyboards and I think there was like a small group of bands that kind of like shared some similar core aesthetics and yeah we just did shows together and it made sense to do splits with them so I guess I want to ask now uh, since you mentioned it how was the BBC split how did that how did that come about we were really fortunate to be invited to do sessions at Maida Vale in London on a, on a couple of occasions. And uh, we'd always wanted to do something with those recordings because, again, at the time, like some of these live sessions, were they sounded better than the studio stuff we were doing. We were recording on an like, incredible budget when we did the early... An incredibly small budget, I should say, when we did the earlier EPs. And like Maida Vale, I mean, I'm not sure if it means anything to you guys out here. It's steeped in such insane history. Like the the amount of bands that have like done sessions there and like just the the studio space itself um, it's a really really big deal and it was really early on that that kind of stuff happened so I think you know one week there was one of the two sessions that we did the time that we went in we walked in and the, all the walls that had to been like they were had been covered with something because the Mars Volta had been in the week before and tagged the shit out of everything so we're kind of looking at all this graffiti being like oh my god like you know some of our absolute icons were here and they were like yeah those guys like just caused so much trouble like they were such a hassle which is like you know we're recording in the same room they did something last week that is like the coolest thing in the world so I think eventually uh, Holy Raw kind of we, we tried to get quotes on how much it would cost us to license these recordings from the BBC and like it was like really really big like four figure sums which was just unaffordable for us. But then they kind of figured like a loophole around it if they joined a particular like label association thing and then it became like actually affordable to do. And we, we, we just thought it was a really nice thing to do because like we, we were really proud to have been asked to do those sessions and to kind of commemorate that with a release. BBC. Yeah, that's, that's you know, tremendous. it looks amazing. Like having that, the BBC logo on like a record stick, like, you know. There's nothing more uh, legitimizing, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, completely. And that, it, it, I think it's that. And, in itself it was just a nice thing to do. I must feel incredible. What was the the scene like growing up where you were? It was really, really strong in Sheffield. Like there was a really, really good DIY scene there. Like a lot of maybe more like straight up like punk and hardcore. Like Sheffield had a really, really big straight edge scene for a while. Um, and we were we were very fortunate being so in Sheffield. We're about 45 minutes or an hour from... because there's no good weed out there, that's why. <laughs> yeah. Or at least I didn't know who was selling it at the time. But, um, yeah. But uh, we were very close to 
Nottingham, Manchester and Leeds. I think that's the best thing about Sheffield is it's just position in the country. We're an hour from all of these places. Very central then. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like the Midlands and the North, it's okay. like kind of connects the two. And I think that was really, really good that... So Sheffield, a lot of international bands would skip on playing Sheffield and they would go to Manchester or Leeds, which was great because that meant that we travelled and you met, you meet people then who eventually would put your band on or you know, you kind of get like closer with bands that are local to that area and, and promoters there. Um, so a lot of shows would like were happening. Like we met a lot of people at a really really young age, and it was just it was just easy to to reach out to people then and like to meet bands that you're going to do gig swaps with in in different different cities, which was kind of like really crucial early on. You were playing Download Fest when you were what twenty? Uh, yeah, the first time we did that, we'd have been I would have been nineteen. I think we did it in two thousand and seven. So I think by that point, we'd actually, we had a booking agent then. This is a nerdy question on my side of the one I was spacing out on earlier. Uh, so what age did you guys open for Jane's Addiction? That was 2010. So I would have been 20, 21. How was that? Surreal. Like, I mean, I, I spoke to someone about this recently. If I'm completely honest, like, Jane's Addiction didn't mean anything to me. Like, I, I know I know they're a big rock band, but, like, I'm not a fan of their music. I know, but, and... It, the, the, this is I, this is why I'm asking it. Yeah. So the, the 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 thing that was huge to me was that they had asked us, like that a band that big knew who we were, because we we were going to Australia anyway to be part of this like touring festival that's like similar to Warp to whatever. And that there's a big festival package, and then on the off days, bands will play club shows. So people that want to see those bands don't necessarily have to buy a ticket for a festival. So we got paired with Jane's because they apparently asked for us. And, wow. And the big thing was. I mean, it was huge that we were going to Australia anyway, because it was the first time we'd done that. And then we would have been invited to go and play like 1,500, 2,000 cap theatres with Jane's Addiction. And that was like mind-blowing that we were playing venues that big. Wow. I mean, was that the first band that kind of brought you that large venue or...? Um, that, like that, yeah. We, so we did that in February of 2010. And then we had like a really good run of like insane support slots that year. So we did Biffy Clyro and like the London show for that was like four and a half thousand people. And then we did Enter Shikari that year as well. And the London show was in the same venue, like four and a half, five thousand people. Um, so they were like the first like really, really big support shows that we got. Um, and yeah, they're like really, really big venues like across the UK. Like prior to that, we've been going out in like 250 like 500 cap rooms as a support band um so yeah that was our i guess our first experience of playing really big shows or maybe no that's a lie actually we'd been doing stuff with gallows um so again like that was like an insane opportunity just the experience of playing those big shows i mean a lot of the time it was going over people's heads and um people just weren't into it but that's kind of just you have to do that like extreme music yeah 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 for real and you know I think it was we came out of those experiences stronger and it kind of taught us how to play on big stages at least so in 2009 you performed at South by Southwest and uh, there you were discovered by Diplo what was it like uh, recording your second full length album with him the the whole thing was incredibly surreal Um, so we actually had no idea that he'd come to watch us Apparently, he couldn't get into the venue we were playing, so he sat on some bins that were kind of like positioned. We were playing like an outdoor tent. And this, I mean, this is, a, this is only what I've heard, and I'm not sure how, like, how much of these stories kind of get embellished or how 
over time because it was like nearly 10 years ago I'm embellishing them myself mm-hmm. um, but I mean it's, it, it sounds better to say it like that so the, the, this all came about he name dropped us in an interview on Pitchfork so we contacted here our management contacted his management and we thought like we'll get a remix out of this and they asked us what we were doing for the next record we were told that he had this window that we could potentially go and record something in so we said yes and then had three months to write an album to fit in with his schedule. So we like we wrote Cosmology over the summer of 2009 and then flew to LA and it was just mad. Like the experiences that we'd had recording before that were, like I was saying earlier, you know, it was on an incredibly tight budget with people that we knew. Um, so to fly to the other side of the world to be somewhere for like, I think we were there for like a month, which again was like the longest amount of time we'd spent doing anything. I mean, I don't think we were recording that whole time. I think there was little breaks in that. Um, we could set up drums and dial in tones. Well, it's and that kind of thing, yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole thing was just really, really bizarre. Like, there was an engineer that was there, that was present, that did most of the tracking, um, a guy called Ariel Rexshade. He's since gone on, like, after he did that, he, like, won a Grammy for doing Vampire Weekend's, uh, their second record, like, Modern Vampires in the City, I think yeah. it was. And he did stuff with Adele and, like, Haim. I remember seeing this guy's name come up and like, we recorded with him. Like, Amazing. just stuff like, like little things like that. Even over the years, and it's, it's the one thing that most people want to talk to us about. It's like, how was that? Because it's still, it's bizarre. Because I think at, at the time, Diplo, he was like rapidly on the ascension. Like he was still like pitchfork credible, if I can say that. And I remember getting home and he was all of a sudden the face of Blackberry. And like, there was adverts in the UK for that. And I was to my mum like, that's the guy we recorded with. And now you can't escape him, he's everywhere now. For real. Diplo's like, everywhere. Yeah. He was in like, you know, gossip magazines in the UK because he was dating Katy Perry for a little bit. And yeah, he's just like a global superstar. And, and I he think- he likes metal too, apparently. Well, this is the thing. And I think the whole thing for him was that he, metal was something he was really enthusiastic about. He'd never had the opportunity to do a metal record. He really liked what we were doing, and I think for him it was just another kind of tick on his CV. Um, but that, as a thing, opened up so many doors. Like the amount of interest that we had in our band following that was just insane. And like all, all, the year that followed that, like I was saying when we did like you know those big shows of Vicky Clara and then Shikari and like huge UK festivals when we were playing big outdoor stages, it was all on the back of that uh, because like you know we were like all of a sudden this really really hot ticket that even though people didn't necessarily like what we were doing or get it, they were like, well, you know, if this really, really popular DJ thinks it's cool, then we're gonna book them. So it kind of opened up a lot of doors. I take it too. Put us in front of a lot of people and we were just kind of like taking it as it came, you know, it was, yeah, it was wild. That's amazing. So, uh, what are your, uh, some of your favorite albums this year? Okay. It doesn't have to be metal. He's pulling out his phone, everybody, shit. Excellent, he was ready for this one. Yeah, of course I was. I mean, I've got 1%, so let's see how quickly I can get through this. Um, so very recent, I mean, this is going to be alphabetical order because I'm literally reading this from Apple Music. Uh, there's a band from Australia called Blind Girls. They put out an amazing record called Residue. Uh, it sounds like 90s Screamo. So we played with them last time we were in Australia. They opened up the final show we did, and I was blown away by them. And I only re- very accidentally stumbled across the fact that they put out a full length. Like, I took a 7-inch home with me. It was very, very good, but this record's insane. They, since that show, they have like a female vocalist now, and it's it's just amazing. Like if you're in, if that's your bag, like you will love it. There's a Danish band called Kabar. 
Cabal, C-A-B-A-L. C-A-B-A-L. It's kind of like technical metalcore. Again, like we, we played with them in Copenhagen earlier this summer. Their live show is exceptional. Um, and the Copenhagen scene is exploding right now. Oh, the, those, those guys and then Mole, um, the band that Holy Roll put out, this t-shirt I'm wearing. That is another one of my favorite records this year. That's probably my conjure. So yeah, conjure on there. Jord by Mole is like my favorite heavy record of the year. Follow, closely followed by the Conjurer album, like that e- exceptional again. Um, there's another UK band that we just took out with us. Some shows at home recently called Cassus. Who again, if you're into screamo, you'll absolutely. It sounds like Ampere, like Lacriette. Like it's that kind of screamo. Like it's there's no one doing that like they are in the UK to, to my mind at the moment. And they they recorded with um, Lewis who did our uh, last two records. Um, what else? The new cult leader was really good. Like uh, I really like that. Drug church. Drug church. Word. I've word. been seeing them everywhere. Yeah. It's a damn good name, first of all. It's a great name for a band, and that record is fantastic. Um, there's an Italian guy called Federico Albanese, kind of like contemporary classical music. And then, in that same vein, the new Oliver Arnold's record. You know that guy? Icelandic composer. So you're a fan of symphonic music, then, it seems. Well, like contemporary classical stuff, yeah. So like pianists, uh, there's another... Uh, Nils Fromm is a German guy that I really, really like. He put out a new record this year. It's not my favorite of his, but there's a couple of really, really good songs in it. But yeah, the, my favorite album this year is Oliver Arnold's. Um, it's the best show I've seen this year as well. Um, so unbelievable. Like he's just really, really pushing the envelope with yeah. Just you want to say that one more time for our listeners. Uh, Olafia Arnolds, and the album Olivia. is called uh, Re Semicolon Member. So remember. For the listeners of Mathcore Index, this will be the part of the interview where everybody keeps backing up and going over what you just yeah. said. So yeah. Uh, there's a few other things as well. Like I listen to like a lot of ambient and drone music. Um, there's a guy called Ian William Craig. And his new album, Threshold, is really good. Uh, and then quite, I listen to quite a lot of electronic music. And John Hopkins is an English producer. Put out a new album called Singularity that's fantastic. We saw his live show recently and it was absolutely mind-blowing. Um, really, really strong like audio-visual thing going on. The new Vane album was good as well. I like that. Arizona's tight. That's definitely one of the best albums of the year, for yeah. sure. We're like in the middle of going through our best of for the year and everything. So. You know what? I've been refining my top ten, and it's all, it's all on my laptop. I think I've named most of it. I don't know if there's anything that wasn't there. But like I've been asked to, to supply it to a few different things over the last... Maybe like six weeks, I've kind of been adding and cutting and making sure I've listened to everything. What are your thoughts on the new Daughters? I, I, I really like it. Um, it wouldn't make my top ten. I've heard... I, I've got tickets to see them play in London next year. I was going to say, you see it live, you you'll be changing must. your mind. Yeah, so. and that's yep. what everyone that I've spoken to about it recently has said. I mean... Yeah, I, I liked it. It's just... I think they occupy like a certain place in my heart and Hell Songs is one of my top 10 albums of all time Um, I didn't want them to rewrite that and I'm really really glad they've done something incredibly different but I think that wasn't the album that I want not not necessarily say it wasn't the album that I wanted from Daughters it's just uh, that wasn't the would you say that you didn't get what you want (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying that I'm just saying that's not what I wanted in terms of like what I'm listening to right now it's like I can appreciate that it's a good record and I'm really excited to see it live because a lot of people said the record makes more sense you can go back to it after that 
and I think the way that they've incorporated the kind of elect electronic stuff and the keyboards. I want to see how it works with the older material as well. A friend of mine saw them play one of, I think it was Sent Vita's shows, and he sent me a copy of the set list. So I was just intrigued to see, like, hearing the new record, I was like, well, I'm really intrigued to see how they're going to make that work alongside the old material. And he said again, like, it makes complete sense. They're still playing stuff from Hell Songs. Um, and as well, because, I mean, they never toured the self-titled record, or it, they at least didn't come to the UK with that. And there's a bunch of that that I think is absolutely exceptional. Yes. Uh, that I really, really want to see. And I, I'm really happy that they've done something completely new and distanced themselves. Well, I mean, you know, over the course of, what is it, like nine years between the records? Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that there's a, there's a parallel to be drawn between your two bands, actually, in that respect. You've both come a long way stylistically. There's a lot of progression from album to album. Yeah. Uh, you guys have been embracing more of a uh, more atmospheric approach, you know? And that's the thing, like, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't just rewrite the records that they've done and they've they wanted the, the, the comeback, if you want, I'm doing air quotes there, to be about what they see Daughters in 2018 as, and I have absolutely nothing but respect for that. Thank you for talking about another band so extensively. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, back to you. Uh, Time Will Die and Love Will Bury It is a massive album. It's unquestionably one of the best releases this year, and as of today, it holds a Metacritic rating of 92. I'm sure you're already aware of this. <laughs> Which um, is the second highest rating of 2018. How does that make you feel? Um, proud, I think. Like, if I can actually say that. I was going to try and be like, really, oh, yeah. No, like, Modest and everything. I, I'm insanely proud of, like, the way that that album was received. And it blows my mind that it, on something like that, that aggregates all these scores, that a band like ours that operates the way it does has scored higher critically than bands with huge budgets and huge marketing and press teams behind them who like can effectively buy good reviews because they spend on advertising in magazines and stuff and I think the fact that a bunch of people who have put the so much passion into what we're doing can like not that that kind of shit matters but like I can still be proud of it and not be a dick I think <laughs> that's what I'm going for with that it's very very strange and I think the way that People just took to the record so so quickly. I mean, like when we finished it, I was pretty happy with it. Like I thought it was, thought it was okay. Like, <laughs> but the thing for me was that, and I've said this before to other people, when we finished Grievances, I was so happy with that, and I, I felt like we'd written exactly the record that we tried to write, and I thought like it was going to help kind of take our band to the sort of the next step that we wanted to be at in terms of the where we were able to travel and the kind of size of the venues we were playing at home and it just didn't quite happen that way so I think with this when we kind of finished it I was a little bit more um, just cautious about how I felt about it so I didn't want to let myself get kind of carried away whereas with Grievances I was like I think we've made a brilliant album like I think this is really really cool and I, I'm still really really happy with that but so with this one I was like I thought it was I, you know I was really really happy we had a great time recording it and I really really enjoyed writing it but it was more like oh people didn't really take the last record like I thought they would so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna wait and we'll put it out and then we'll see how it goes and then all of a sudden yeah like it just like a blanket of really really good reviews 
all the UK tour uh, shows on our tour sold out. Like we were selling out shows in Europe in places we never sold out shows before. And it was like, hold on, like something. It feels like something's kind of happening. And there was just a lot of like really, really exciting moments really early on within the cycle for that. And I don't know. It just seems to have really, really struck a really strong chord, like emotionally, with a lot of people. And. I'm not really sure what it is about it that people got with this that they didn't get with the last one, but I'm not gonna complain about it. Like, I'm just gonna let it be, and so you know, you can pre-plan and expect all these things, but sometimes it's just circumstance that takes you to somewhere else. And that's kind of how it's felt with this, and it's been like a really, really fun ride touring it so far, and just seeing sort of the tangible response from how it's connecting with people live, like. There was another thing as well, you know, the record had been out for like a matter of weeks and we had people that, at the front that were singing along every word to, to the tracks. And that's something that's never happened before. Like, the, we did, we did a, a show in London recently. It was like the biggest show we've ever done uh, domestically. And we played Aftermath like right at the end of the set. I could hear the crowd over Eva and the band. Like, that was insane. Completely, like, we never had that before. And I, yeah, I could honestly hear them over our monitors. And like, it was, it was loud on stage. Like, we play loud and like just things like that and it's just like feels like there's actual yeah like tangible progress that's been made with this and it's just really really exciting like and yeah so do you feel like it's because you had like a lot more leisure time to work on this last record i think so i think there's a lot of things that kind of factored into it i think one thing that definitely really helped so we finished the record in september of 2017 so we had like a six month period between it being finished and it coming out which meant that we could like make videos and really gradually release music and kind of get people excited about it um, whereas in the past we'd always been working to really tight deadlines so it was like here's a single and here's an album and we're gonna go on tour so no one has any chance to like think about it or digest it so you were already sitting on that album for six months before you even got yeah. a chance to showcase a single exactly yeah so I mean we I think we started putting out music maybe the end of October that was when the first single were put up and I think just the way that we were able to gradually drip feed that and just get people excited about it really, really helped. Um, I think it helped that we had like actually strong singles that we could pull from the record as well. I think, I think in the past, you know, I wouldn't really ever consider us as a singles band and I still think the format that suits us most is an album and that to kind of get everything that we do, it has to be within the context of, an, of, of a record. But we were lucky with this that there were parts that we could pull from the album that made sense outside of the context of it as a long player and yeah there was just i don't know people just got behind it really really early on um and you know like i think everyone was just in the right mood to really put everything they had into it like we had a couple of really good tours before the record came out like coming out here for the first time in december of last year and we did a really fun tour like supporting another band in europe and i think it kind of it helps people's perceptions of us that we were like active and doing stuff and get them excited about something before it's happened. The mood was right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on Brexit? Well, I'm I am really, curious. really, really uh, scared about it. Um, I think the, the worst thing about it is just the uncertainty that surrounds all of it. Um, and it's been so difficult to follow because no one knows what's going to happen. Um, I think as it stands... I mean, what, I think the best we can hope for at the moment is we're going to have a gen, gen, another general election. Um, I certainly think our Prime Minister is going to stand down at some point. 
But what's wor but what's worrying is the two people that are probably in line to replace her, um, Jacob Rees Morgan. Boris Johnson, uh, even fucking worse than she is. I think she's got a terrible job of having to try and deliver something that she was actually campaigning against. Like, she didn't want anything to do with it, and then she's had to kind of go through with it because it's the people's vote or whatever. Um, and yeah, it really, really scares me. Uh, you know, as a person from that country that lives there, and as a musician that spends a lot of time traveling freely around Europe, um, I think it's gonna. It'll take generations to recover from it if it's going to happen. And it's something that, yeah, it's it's honestly just astonishing. But I think as it stands, like, there's a very realistic chance of a second vote. Just the way that it's going at the moment. It's, like, the country is, like, the, well, the politics of the country is just in complete disarray. Like, it's, yeah. It's really, it's kind of scary. Yes, I yeah. can totally agree. What does the band have uh, lined up for 2019? We're going to start working on some new material. We have a few festivals uh, booked in for the summer, and we're going to look to try to take things a bit further afield. You know, I've had a lot of requests, or a lot of uh, people asking me, are you guys going to go to Australia again? We're going to, we're trying our absolute hardest to make that happen. Um, we've been really lucky that we've been able to do it on the last three records that we've done, and we're just waiting for the right opportunity. It's something that we're actively pursuing. And I would say that they're waiting for you. Yeah, yeah, that's as like that's as honest as I can be about it. Like we're trying to make Australia and Southeast Asia happen because we love touring in that part of the world. Um, it's just yeah, it's just working it out. I think yeah, certainly second second half of 2019 is possible um, for going to Australia. Um, I mean, we're going to start writing and see where it goes and what kind of happens. I've I've like a, some finished material already. I think Chris does as well. We wouldn't be mad if it was 2020 when it came out. Oh, I mean, there's no, there is no way that we're going to release an album next year. Like, yeah, we might record one next year, but we'll just see how it goes. Like, we have a new drummer playing with us at the moment. We really want to start writing music with him. Um, and, yeah, we're going to start work on that. Maybe I think when we get back from this, we'll give ourselves December off just to enjoy Christmas. And then we'll start working on stuff in January when we have a bit of downtime. Just because he's been playing with us since March, and I think he's really itching to start working on stuff. And we've been writing little bits all year, and I think... It'll just be nice uh, to give him the opportunity to put his stamp on being in this band. So, is this another new drummer? Uh, was it the same guy who recorded on the album? Or? So Tom, who Tom Pitts, who recorded on Grievances and Time Will Die and Love Will Bury, isn't playing with us anymore. He he left just before we did uh, the UK and the European like sort of release tour for it. Uh, we have a new drummer called Al Pot. He's been playing with us uh, since then. He did that tour came in like 10 days before it started. He'd, he'd filled in for Nathan's old band Brontide. He's an old friend of Chris and Nathan's. They went to college together. He, they've known him for like 10 years. He's a, he's a Brighton guy, so he was in the area and he was available. And he has been like a driving force behind a lot of what we've been doing this year. Like his enthusiasm for everything is remarkable. Uh, he's a very, very talented drummer. Doesn't really come from like a metal or like math metal background or whatever. So I'm... I'm really, really excited to see what he can do. Like, he plays like a lot of pop and kind of hip hop stuff. He changed like a bunch of Tom's parts. Like, we actively encouraged that he did that. We wanted him to be comfortable with what he was playing and for him to put his own twist on it. Um, I mean, you'll see what you think tonight. Like, the way he plays certain things is, is just different, and he's he's incredibly, incredibly good. Um, yeah, sometimes it's good to have a fresh pair of eyes on the situation, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go home and start some work on that, I think, and just see how things go. Like, I'm not gonna put any pressure on anybody to write any music. We'll just, we'll do what comes naturally. Like, 
and if it happens fast it does if it takes us a couple of years then that's that's fine as well but no I'm, I'm happy with what I've written so far like I kind of know to a point the kind of directions I want to push things in but again you know I'm not the only person that writes music for this band there are four other people that have a say in that so I have to take what I've written to them and see what they think right exactly yeah. well wonderful James thank you so much for joining us we really appreciate it it's been a pleasure gents thanks for having me all right so that was our interview with James Spence of Rilo Tomasi and uh, thank you again, James, for sitting down with us. Really appreciate that, taking the time to talk with us. Really down to earth. Just basically just felt like a, a regular discussion about music. So I guess that about wraps it up for the 28th episode of MathCast. I'm your host, Christian. And I'm your co-host, Levi. And we'll be back again next month with some more Sick Underground Bands. Good night and stay beautiful. <laughs>